All right, thank you for joining the ESBC Podcast Network. We're always, the purpose of the podcast is to make me money. Tonight, Trevor Bauer is starting for your LA Dodgers. And, you know, he says that he only wants to have sex with women. He doesn't want to marry any of them. And he makes it clear in the beginning of the relationship. He said, he didn't make it clear to the Dodger fans that he didn't want to sign any autographs. So we keep it real here. So everything is clear and it's business oriented. Uh, but in capitalism, you have to collaborate in order for it to work. Communism, they say that uh, capitalists can't collaborate. All they do is compete against each other. So sports betting is a collaboration. Uh, you get information from other bettors. You compete against the casino. You compete against the bookmaker and you compete against other betters, right? And you compete around all the gaslighting, all the lying, and all the PR spin that they do to you everywhere, really, in your whole entire life. But especially when it comes to sports, then we have our passions. Uh, rule number one in sports betting is never bet your own team. So you have to look at your own biases, right? So I got it in the background, decision science. And that's used by the major corporations, scientific way to make decisions. So we use business and financial concepts to get to that end. So every podcast is a business meeting. We have a purpose and an outcome. Purpose is to make out money. The outcome has been, luck would have it, Pac-12 basketball, that's all we bet. During the season, we got 66%, right? 52.5% is break even. So between 52.5%, and 66% that we got, that is compound interest. Then you go, and I have a witness here, and I get a witness, I have one right here, Chad Nolan, gonna be burning up an NFL camp near you soon. Uh, we got 71% conference tournament time. NCAA tournament, it's been the worst tournament I've ever had, but I still have made uh, $20,000. So <laughs> I can't complain. And as we head into the uh, final four, and we've been watching these teams all along. So there's no reason why we shouldn't get uh, all last three games aside correctly. And I haven't figured out the totals, but we'll talk about it a little bit tonight. And if you're the smartest, toughest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. So I brought somebody who's smarter, tougher, and 100% faster than me for now until I get in shape. <laughs> Burning up an NFL camp near you. His brother's starter for the Power Five. I actually call him the Week Five. So I'm from USF. We're the Power Six ACC. We're just getting back to it. That's another conversation. Uh, his brother's starting quarterback for Oregon State Beavers made it to the final eight and covered 13 out of 14 times. Thank you for joining us. Chad Nolan, NFL yep. superstar in the making. Happy to be here, man. Let's uh, happy to share some of the the knowledge and stuff we've been talking about, and uh, you know, doing amongst ourselves to give it to the people for free, and so we can all win some money. Yeah, and I haven't been mentioning that, but all these picks in the NCAA. Uh, I didn't mention the percentage, but we are still fifty six percent in the NCAA, but we bet on every single game. <laughs> It, I don't know about you, Chad. Have you watched every single game? Um, 
I'd say I've probably watched like 90% of the games. <laughs> right. They maybe in Nerd. the first second round, I got a little burnt out at some point and like missed a game or two. Um, right. But it was, yeah, I mean, pretty much every game. I mean, and, and just overall in the season, I mean, coming into the tournament, I definitely saw all 68 teams play this year that made the wow, tournament. man, that's very impressive. Very impressive because I always of- try to do that. But, you know, work and life gets in the way. Even though I don't have any kids, it's amazing how many distractions, how many things uh, come up, you know, that are distressing. <laughs> and that takes you away from, you know, uh, doing due diligence. And, and really what uh, we'll get into and what we'll structure is that we use, and I use 100%, somebody who has the MBA securities licenses, we use business and financial concepts in order to determine what we feel will be the outcome of the game and be able to monetize it so consistently. We've done it for 16, uh, actually 12 years. 12 years I've done it that I've tracked it in detail and paid for vacations and my wife has not paid gasoline for the last 12 years if not uh, betting dollars. So you have a purpose and the outcome has been uh, that we've been fortunate, lucky and good and made a lot of money. And I hate to say it, but the $20,000 we made in the NCAA tournament, it's like somebody, the federal minimum wage is 750, right? Somebody works for a whole year to make that and we made that in the tournament. And we always start with the Hawthorne effect, whatever you track and measure, you improve its performance by 10 to 20%. So what were some games in the Sweet 16 uh, that we got wrong, because I know you and I collaborated on our picks that we should have gotten right. Yep. Okay, so let's see. Um, so one, let's see, the first game, Gonzaga, we got that one right. Next game, Oregon-USC, that was one we got wrong. We were on Oregon. And um, that game was uh, Isaiah Wright. Yeah, shot out of his mind. Exactly. Right. He shot yeah. out of his mind. So in sports betting, you have to differentiate the games you got wrong because you had a bias, right? People with the George Floyd thing talk about unconscious bias. Uh, uh, that you didn't use mass. Number two rule of research. Number one is never bet your own team. Number two is you overestimate the decision is do your research. Maybe you didn't do enough research. And a lot of the games I got wrong during the tournament said I needed to think it through a little bit more and do more research. Yeah. Um, I got, my head got big over Oregon State crushing all those games and crushing all those Oral Roberts games. Yeah. Before the tournament even started, we were, ta- we were talking about Oral Roberts in the conference tournament. And oh, Isaiah yeah. Wright scored four points a game. And Against Oregon in the game before that, against Kansas, he shot lights out. He he got 26 points in one game, and then he yeah. got 22 points in the next game. So I would say that I needed to use return to the mean. Yeah, for the guy next. from Jeopardy makes a lot of money yeah. using return to the mean. Because we ended up taking USC against Gonzaga in that Elite Eight game, and we didn't um, account for, you know, we were we, – we should have known. We were right on it. We had talked about that regression, but we uh, we decided to keep riding it like he was going to stay hot, but we knew better. Um, also, one well, he didn't thing- even need to stay hot. I think what – let me know your thoughts. 
because uh, you've played basketball. You've been on a team, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, ride him as far as if he goes five for 20, because he ended up with zero points because he missed two, three shots, and boom, uh, infield yanked him. So I feel if he would have gone five for 20, let's say he goes five for 20 and hits 15 points, they lost by 20. I feel that they're in the game because they got they cut it down to 10. Yeah. So if you would have hit three three-pointers of that, let's say he's three for 12, with three three-pointers, they're down one now, and they're in the game. Yeah. And another thing, too, that we had discussed was – um that we kind of missed was, you know, USC has played Oregon, you know, they're in their conference. There's a familiarity there. There's a loosening right. they played with in that game, which they were, did not play with the following game against Gonzaga. They were very right. tied and scared and they came out kind of shell shocked and Isaiah, nobody was pulling, taking the same shots they were taking against Oregon. There was definitely a, uh, just a different uh, style of the, they just weren't as comfortable. They weren't at, they were more tight and just, you know, didn't flow as well uh, early on in that game and got themselves into a big deficit. So that that was a factor too we discussed. No, you nailed the head on the on the head on that one. You're absolutely right about that. Uh, and I guess maybe the coach panicked too because Andy Enfield's never been past uh, the Sweet 16. And the guys that he was replacing Isaiah right with uh, suck. They're in mid regards, Tyson Eady, uh, Ethan Anderson. And yep. they got exposed. And, and Isaiah Wright's a great athlete, man. He's lean. He's active. Uh, he, he's a tremendous athlete. They could have helped in other ways that these other guys couldn't, right? And one big advantage I've seen in the NCAA tournament is guys that are tall and got a clear view of the basket. And that's what Isaiah Wright has. However, the fact that he has it he can put a hand in the face of the Gonzaga guys that Ethan Anderson and uh, Edie cannot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peterson came in and he did his thing. He did as good as he could. He's another mid-major guy. Yeah. Okay. I forgot where he came from, like Creighton, so, or you know, someplace like that. Mm-hmm. And he did his thing, man. And he scored like nine, ten points, but not what Isaiah Wright could have done. Or, on an off night that he had. Uh, and we we should have them. Now, should is a command word, something you never would tell your wife or girlfriend in a relationship. You should. You say, no, honey, I prefer you, right? Something yeah. Married, married. But we should have known that. And there's no excuses. Uh, yep. Let us know, Chef, because you had a great analogy today about other people out there like, I haven't been talking about it, but I should. Action Sports charges you $300 for what we give you for free. We give you better information. We give you better uh, percentages, better transparency. Uh, the, the, the rest. Because as I encourage everybody to listen to that last podcast I did with the guy that works at Butler University and wrote the book, The Cinderella Strategy. Uh, Butler... Being in a tournament a couple of years has gained $2 billion, $1.9 billion, he said. I'll call it $2 billion with a B in benefit from being in the incinerator tournament. So there's a lot of money on the line, and it's not illegal for us to make a bad call. What's your analysis on all things refs that, that we talked about earlier today? Um, 
Yeah, so before I answer that question, I just wanted to point out one more thing about the USC game than answer that sure. about the so you it was something you had mentioned to me that I thought was a great point. I want to give the people the right. corporate governance of SC with Enfield, right? Who is right. he, right? He's a wealthy man, supermodel wife, right? Made the elite right. eight, right. overachieved already. Right. Uh, his motivation when they got down, maybe not the best in-game coach. Um, right. I think that was another thing that we kind of overlooked and thinking that, you know, they already made this run to the lead eight, like, you know, with Enfield and, you know, hit that, all those factors. Um, that was just a good point that you had pointed out to me. I wanted to give it to the people, but now on to the refs. Um, yeah. So something that we saw in the Michigan LSU game is we saw, uh, we were on LSU. We saw the refs going for Michigan, right? Right. We saw the big 10 bias, every uh, big 10 team. Michigan was the only big 10 team in the sweet 16. <laughs> So, uh, you know, we, we looked at that game against Florida State, um, you know, and, and completely saw that we knew the refs were going to be from on Michigan, and Michigan ended up blowing them out. They were getting all the calls. wasn't even close. We walked away with that one. Um, that was easy money just from, you know, understanding. Um, and then you came back in that Elite, ga- elite Eight game, Michigan-UCLA, and you kind of weighed, right, um, that ref factor with Michigan and then you weighed the corporate governance with Nick Cronin and had his style um, was a style that could overcome. They put their great underdog opponent and can kind of, you know, possibly overcome some decent ref, you know, bad calls with the way they slow it down. And they hit some big shots late in Michigan having a poor shooting night. I think like Franz Wagner went like one for 15, you know, terrible game. Right. Shooting. Right. It just, in it the, played yeah, out exactly right. how you had thought. Thank you. Thank you. And that's why my wife hasn't bought gasoline from not betting dollars for 12 years. And because uh, you never stop learning because life never stops teaching. And the reason we talk about corporate governance so much is because people have gotten rich with fundamental analysis and big arguments now, you know, fundamental analysis between Wall Street bets, what's going on now. And then you get sole technical analysis that I'll break down systematically this offseason. I call it offseason before football season starts. Uh, nobody's ever gotten rich with technical analysis. People have gotten rich selling technical analysis, but not using it. And an uh, element, a big element of fundamental analysis is studying a corporation, studying corporate governance, who leads the corporation, who's on the board, what's the corporate structure, What's the strategy, and more important than strategy, well, just as important as strategy, is execution, right? So before you evaluate an investment, before you put in money, before you make a decision, you study corporate governance. When I was engaged to a girl who had $11 million liquid, her dad ran a pension fund, ran a hedge fund. We, this is 30 years ago, we used to go to the corporation and talk to the people, right? The measure of the man, old school, the greatest generation, right? World War II, you measure a man, you look at him, right? You look at his body language. And we use that to determine winners. And it's made a lot of money. We did a podcast on the corporate governance of coaches. And when you look at Michigan, Michigan has the biggest alumni group. So Vegas made easily, could have made about $100 million dollars in Michigan alumni betting Michigan against UCLA. So how does Chad Nolan and Josh Abner make money doing that? Betting UCLA, betting that line is gonna be in our favor. 
And I call that doing business with Vegas. <laughs> Vegas made all that money and they gave us a low price on that UCLA line and we'll do it all day, every day. Now with the over under, you look at corporate governance, you study Mick Cronin. How does Mick Cronin make $4 million a year? He did it in Cincinnati, slow down. That's what he did late in season with Cincinnati. And they would be my guys, USF Bulls and the AAC, which I think is as good a conference as anybody else in the country. We knew he was going to do that against Michigan. Slow down, and we'll get to our final football picks. But the man is a master of slowdown. And who's in the crowd? Nothing than Raleigh Massimino, right? From 1984, uh, upset of Georgetown with slowdown, right? Play a little bit fast in the beginning, but then slow it down. Tyler Campbell walking the ball up the court. Slowly. And then taking shots with four or five seconds. The other thing is, Michigan and all these people, right? These so-called guys. Uh, remember, these guys get paid whether who regardless who wins. We only get paid if our team wins and we catch the ticket. Yep. <laughs> other than that, we're wrong. We get zero. Exactly. People were saying, "Oh, Michigan missed all these foul shots at the end because they were tired. They missed that that last shot." Uh, What's his face? The coach of Michigan and Phil Martelli, John Howard, and he kicked himself because they had a tired team. He and they and they go for a long jump shot, right? It was short because the guy was tired. Mick Cronin played eleven guys in that game, only five scored. The other six guys had a total of seven fouls and like ten rebounds, so they were only there to foul and rebound and wear down the other team. Corporate governance. How's the strategy going to go? What are they going to go? Now, past performance is not indicative of a future result, but 95% of people can't change. So you look at what they did in the past to monetize the future. And that, that was our better uh, bet there. And then my Hawthorne effect too was uh, Gonzaga. Um, I didn't think they were going to hit as many shots as they did against uh, against USC, and that game was going over all the way. I thought maybe infield would do something to make it under. That was going over all the way. That's when I got wrong that I should have gotten right. So I know. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, let's get in to the final four. What are your thoughts on the final four? And uh, as we, I think the final four corporate governance is going to be more important than anything else. Yeah. I mean, the blaring things that stick out to me that we've discussed, right, is going to be uh, Cronin and uh, the head coach of Houston. What's his name? It's uh, Samson. Samson. Yep. I've watched him in my whole life. So those two guys, right, um, we we think are, are very kind of similar in style. Um, right. Very, very good defensive teams. I mean, amazing um houston is a great on the offensive glass which is something we look for in teams right um that efforts there and not only the effort but they know that they're not the best shooting team and that's their edge that they you know in order to make up for that they need um so there's a high motivation on that offensive glass for houston right um yeah so just we and those styles play as good underdogs and both those are the two underdogs um and they play very, very well to the under. So um, I know our thoughts are that the public is going to bet these totals up a little bit and that uh, 
we think that we can uh, snag some unders with some good value before game time. And we, and we, uh, we think that the underdogs um, with their corporate governance give us a really good look to be profitable. Fundamental analysis, corporate governance. What's the over-under in the Houston game? It is one, 135, I want to say, give or take. Right. I think it might be 134 and a half now. It opened at 135. And UCLA and them, it's like 156. Uh, no, 146. 146, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's under 150. So you think both those games will, will go under? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, definitely. Yeah, I like the under on both of those. All right, cool. And, I 100 agree, four. especially that UCLA game. Yeah. Because yeah. you, I do like the UCLA more as well. Yeah, uh, man, and I'll tell you what, that plus six fifty. I've been watching UCLA all year, right? Yep. Uh, Gonzaga, I watched them three times in WCC. I always watch them against Pepperdine. I always watch them against San Francisco. And I think we've talked about it. Uh, when we talked about it, uh, when the first time BYU played Gonzaga, I think. Uh, it, that was when uh, Boise State covered against San Diego State. Mm-hmm. When they were playing back to back, yeah. So and I they were playing seven guys. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you said another played. point you mentioned is that Gonzaga has not played any close game. No, they have not. And we don't know how they're going to react in this game. So, long story short, I already took UCLA plus sixteen right when that line came out. And it was 15.5. I took half the point and made, made it plus 16. Currently, on Bovada, it is at 14.5. I would take that half point, go UCLA, uh, plus 15, under 146. And I would put, depend, never bet what you can't afford. Never bet on a game more than 25% of your bankroll and i don't even do that uh, i wouldn't even bet 25 percent of my bankroll right uh, i the most i bet on the game is like around 25 because i did bet 25 percent of my bankroll all the time and i thought a game was going to go a certain way and when it didn't i started sweating bullets <laughs> so i'm like you know what i'm never going to do that to myself again so i only go 2500 I'm going to bet my usual amounts, keep my $20,000 in profit. However, I am going to go a little bit out of character and put 250 bucks on that UCLA money line, which I got at 700 mm-hmm. plus 700. So my 250 would be like $1,500. So what is your thought on that one? I think that's the second of the two final fours. Yeah. Um, like you said, I do uh, – I like the under a little bit more in the UCLA game. We have a higher number, and I think I think, uh, I think think Houston has a higher potential for transition points than UCLA, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think I'll probably put a little bit more on the UCLA under than the other under um, right. based, 
based off that number being higher, um, right? Because we always talk about situational intelligence, right? It's the highest right. level of intelligence. So, um, you know, I think I, I'll, you know, I'll put my full unit on, you know, my sides. Um, I'm, uh, and then I, I probably will, will sprinkle a little extra, I think, on that UCLA under just because uh, nothing crazy, you know, like if I'm going 200 on my sides, you know, I might just, and I'm doing 100 on my totals, I might bump that total up to 150 and put it in the middle just because I like it a little bit more. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that, that's, uh, just because Tim, you got, you're working with 11 more points in Houston, I think can run a little bit more in, in, uh, in that transition. So, um, that's the only thing there that I, I think could, could get that game to go over. All right. And then corporate governance, Mark few great coach, hall of fame coach, gotten them to the final four out of nowhere, but he works his people too hard. His some coaches have a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, recruiting guy, separates it. He makes his guys do everything. Same thing goes for his players. I think they're exhausted. I think US, UCLA is a better talented team from 1 to 11. 1 to 5, Gonzaga is the more talented basketball player. But UCLA might be better athletes. But 1 through 5, basketball-wise, combination of athleticism and skill, Gonzaga hangs down. Five through 11, it's UCLA hands down. So to get in a situation like that, to get plus 700, yeah. uh, I'll take it all day, every day. And to yeah. get that many points, it's a lot of points because yeah. even if Gonzaga gets a seven to 10 lead, right? 10 point lead, the way UCLA plays, that's like yeah. a 20 point lead. And Mark exactly. Few has another game to play. Yep. In his mind. And if UCLA so, in it late with all those guys they play, if it's if it's within five points in that at halftime, I mean, you bet your your biscuits that uh, <laughs> UCLA is going to begin it at the end of that game playing eleven right, guys. Right. Because we bet equal amounts on each game and do things the right way, we can laugh and have fun about it, right? You can text me at halftime and say, "Man, I'm I'm doing it. I'm going to go. Bam, I'm going to do that." Because you're right. You're right. Because stupid expectations people have that aren't. They aren't grounded in reality. If they're up by five at halftime, they're freaking out because they're supposed to blow UCLA out. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, so the next game, you hit the nail on the head with uh, Samson. Uh, I know he's gotten a bunch of teams, different teams to the Final Four. He's a, been an NBA coach. He hasn't gotten teams to the Final Four, but he's gotten them to uh, the NCAA. He might have gotten with um, Blake. The guy who's now on the Nets, he might have gotten that team to the Final Four when he was the head coach at Oklahoma back in the day. But regardless, he's a great coach. And the key to that game is that Houston are offensive rebounding monsters. Yep. Talk about Ward Roberts, twenty-two mm -hmm. sneaking in those offensive rebounds. That that's why we knew they were Roberts because they're going to cover and they made us a lot of money. That's the key to Houston. And to this day, I'm not impressed with Baylor at all. Nope. I think if the one guy on Baylor has a cold shooting night, which he's due to have, Lucas Oil, down goes Baylor. Yep. What are your thoughts, Chad Noah? So, um, yeah, just going back to, you know, what I was saying, we were talking about the offensive rebounding, and not only, like, are they good at it, but they understand that they, they need to do that to be successful. It's part of their game plan and strategy. Something you had mentioned to me I think is a good thing to throw out there is uh, – Right, Jarreau is a player you mentioned that you haven't seen a player that skilled play that hard 
right, which leads into that offensive rebounding. They know they got to get on the glass. It kind of plays towards that what we're talking about. Um, so that was just that's probably the last thing that I finished with on that. I thought it was a good point that you had made to me that I really liked. And something I uh, I I kind of omitted that I should have put in one of the last podcasts. That's why we'll write it up and make sure it's on the website. All the transcripts are written up. The keys to the NCAA tournament. And a key that's kind of hit me this year is bringing the ball up. You know, who can bring the ball up? Because that's what killed Florida State. Florida State had nobody to bring the ball up. Yeah. And you knew at some point that was going to be an issue. Michigan had nobody to bring the ball up. They had the backup who was adequate, that was better than Florida State. But against UCLA, huge liability. And people talk about their in-game losing. That's where they lost the game, was that they did not have – a good enough guy bringing up the ball. For UCLA, it's going to be Tiger Campbell. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting. They're great guys, and they're going to be, whatever, top five in the NBA, yeah. or Haywood types. But it's going to be interesting to see these tall guys with that high dribble from Gonzaga trying to bring the ball up the court. Yeah. I think it might be an issue. I say that because Jerome, he was supposedly had that deep thigh bruise, but I've seen him explode anyways. Oh, yeah. And, he, he played Ethan Thompson, I mean, better than anyone's played him all year. Oh, yeah. And he'll he's a great defender, right? And what he'll do is he will get your offensive rebound. He's lean enough. He's explosive. He has an explosive jump. And he can take the ball down court and pressure you. Mm-hmm. And you'll see this as he'll try, and the other Houston players will try to wear down the Baylor Bellers, you'll see them rush up the court and not even do a secondary break, which North Carolina was really good at, where you rush the ball down court, they get into, uh, you know, get back, get back, they get into the transition defense, they stop the initial flow, you make a pass, and boom, you shoot it on a secondary break because you're open. Houston will do that, will fake twice, and then run the regular offense, which gets into corporate governance, right? Which USC didn't have, which killed them. The Gonzaga has that when things break down, you can run your regular motion offense and get a good shot. USC just started to go one-on-one for no reason. Exactly. And that goes to the respect they have for the coach and for the system. Especially so when you do that. And Drew hasn't won anything. I'm not impressed. His family's a great coaching family forever. But this is the first time Drew, the head coach at Baylor, has been to the Final Four, and he's notorious for losing in tournaments. For me, it feels like Andy Reid. <laughs> you knew Andy Reid, really. Andy Reid lost to Houston. He, he was down by 30 points, and then they try to fake punt, and they lost. And they get to the Super Bowl. And then Andy Reid loses this time. Andy Reid always loses. Drew always loses. And I think, um, you know, we had the guy from the Cinderella strategy. I think the slipper is going to fall off Baylor. Give me Houston. I took a point, though. Plus a six in the under 36. What do you think, Chad Miller? Yeah, I agree. I like it. I think, uh, yeah, I'm, we, we've we've gone through that game pretty good. I don't, I don't really have anything more to add. Great. Right on. Right on. Awesome. You know, hey, you have to go. I think this has been an awesome podcast. Yeah, we gave everybody all the information we need, and we're ready, man. We live it. <laughs> yeah, we're exactly. You wake us up in a dead sleep, man, and we're gonna give you better information than you can get anywhere else. Better information than the three hundred bucks people are paying to access sports. 
And we'll give you final thoughts before we go with uh, Winston Churchill. Anything else to add, Chad? Oh, uh, no. I'm all good. I'm all right. So we'll go with Winston Churchill. We're going to have a lot of fun tomorrow. Uh, we make a living from our labor, but you make a life from what you give. Thank you for listening to the ESBC Podcast Network.